It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You know, I, I like Omar Narvaez, and he's actually gotten off to a pretty decent start offensively. I I kind of wish this was Nito, though. <laughs> I have to admit, because I think that Narvaez and Alvarez can both hit. Tomas Nito can't hit. We we know that. That's why I was so angry about the non-bunt from a couple of days ago. But I do like the fact, I have to admit, that Alvarez is the guy getting the call. Because this offense needs what we just described, which is pop. And if Omar Narvaez is going to go on the injured list and he's going to miss a couple of weeks, I don't think there's any doubt that in my opinion and in your opinion and just everyone else's opinion, Francisco Alvarez should not come up here to back up Tomas Nito. He should come up here to play. And there's something interesting I noticed. It's such a small sample size of AAA action. And we're going to talk about a few things that are going on at Syracuse that I think are really intriguing, good intriguing, and bad intriguing. Here's the good intriguing. Five guys have tried to steal a base against Francisco Alvarez so far during this season. Two of them have successfully done it. The other three were thrown out. Very small sample size. That's tremendous. And it's also important. For years now, when we talk about catching defense, that aspect of catching defense has totally been ignored. Like, when's the last time you ever heard about, hey, what's this catcher's caught stealing percentage? You never hear it anymore. That was a stat that mattered 20 years ago, and it mattered because guys tried to steal bases. We've seen through the first week of the year, guys are trying to run. The Miami Marlins are going to face the Mets again. John Birdie may be in the starting lineup every single game, especially with this injury to Chaz Chisholm and Joey Wendell. Both guys are hurt. Really, the injury to Wendell, not as much. I guess they both guys, because Birdie can play anywhere. John Birdie's going to try to steal base. And I like that that aspect of Alvarez's game seems pretty strong. Plus, he can hit a little bit. He gives you a puncher's chance at the plate more than Tomas Nito. I hope Narvaez is okay, because I think Narvaez is a good player. I think there's a chance he can produce the way he did two years ago or three years ago and not what he did last year, and he's off to a good start. But this is an opportunity, and this is a big opportunity because ask yourself this, Pete. I do believe Alvarez would play if Narvaez goes on the I.L. I don't think it's just a wish you and I have. I think he'll play. I don't think they're calling him up to be a backup. If they were calling him up, if they were calling anybody up to be a backup, it would be Michael Perez. It would not be Francisco Alvarez. So I think that's a tell that he would play. What if he hits? What if he plays and he hits? What if he plays and he has good defense behind home plate? What if all that happens? They're going to return his ass to Syracuse? 
No, what they should do is that's your solution for right-handed DH. So maybe he doesn't catch all the time, but he's there as that as that bat. And then you'll just have to go back and forth between the Narvaez okay. and Alvarez. So here's the issue. I, I want to run through this roster stuff because this is a problem. I, I totally get what you're saying. I was in favor of that during the offseason. But I was always in favor of that under the condition that there was a third catcher on the roster. So let's run through a game situation, and I'll show you the issue. Alvarez is the right-handed DH. Okay? Tomas Nito's catching. It's the seventh inning. There are two on, two out, Mets are down a run, and Nito's up. What are you doing? You're going to pitch in for him? You want to, right? You're trying to win the baseball game. Of course. If you pinch hit for him, you've just lost the designated hitter. Because the moment you pinch hit for him, and now you need someone to catch the next inning, the only guy on your roster who can catch is the guy who's DHing. And if he DHs and then moves to catcher, newsflash, you just lost the DH. And now you got to deal with the pitcher spot, which while I miss it, I wouldn't want it that way. You know what I mean? So it doesn't work. Like Francisco Alvarez comes up here, Pete. He's the catcher. Now, if he hits and now Narvaez is coming back and you want to keep him on the roster and say goodbye to Tim LaCastro or something like that, then you can make it work. But the problem all along with the third catcher was they love versatility and they love defense. And the fact that Nito, Narvaez, and Alvarez only play catcher, you sort of lose that versatility that I know that they would want. Or you do what you've been begging, you've been begging for, which is get rid of a relief arm. That's what it has to do. You have to do it. Wow. Have you have you seen the last few days? Well, who the hell they just call? Who the hell they just call up the other day? They some guy I don't even know who it was. Danny um, Reyes. They called up Danny Reyes, but here's where my argument takes a hit. I, I'd be the first to admit it. I raised my hand. Their pitching over the last three days have been so bad. Their bullpen's been overtaxed. So the the greatest argument against my point about carrying future pitchers would be these last three games and say, well, you're going to carry less pitchers. You got nobody freaking left. You had Luis Guillerme pitching an inning the other day. So, and by the way, I acknowledge that. And I'll admit this. The Mets starting pitching could be the main reason why I will never get what I want of 12 arms. Because this pitching staff needs to go deeper into games. Now, we're seven games into the year. The Mets are three and four. I'm not panicking over three and four. I don't think any of us should panic over three and four. You know, they're a half game out of a wild card spot. That's not the point. But we've seen things over these first seven games that you absolutely can say concern you. I think a lot of our attention over the last few days is about the offense. The offense doesn't concern me on a level of a one to 10, 10. It it just doesn't. Because I also think, Pete, they have options if things continue to go bad. They've got the Beatty option. They have the Alvarez option, who we just talked about. They have the Vientos option. They got a lot of internal options before we ever get to the trade deadline on how they can improve this offense. Plus, their biggest problem with the offense is that their best players weren't performing, at least for the finale of this series against the Brewers, they started performing. So for me, the offense, there's levels of concern. It's not through the roof. The bullpen, I'm not overly concerned yet. David Robertson has looked great. John Curtis looked very good on Wednesday. Brooks Raleigh had looked good. He had one bad performance. Adam Ottavino just needs to be used in the right situations. He was not. And look, the Brewer lineup has a lot to do with it. 
The first batter he faces is Garrett Mitchell. That's not a great matchup for Adam Adovino. Drew Smith, that was a little bit of a punch in the balls, I admit. So I think the bullpen is, you know, it is what it is. Like, not overly concerned, not super confident, somewhere in the middle. I think where I'm concerned is with the rotation. And I'll tell you why. David Peterson, as you know, because you're not the biggest David Peterson fan, is up and down. Like, I loved what he did in his first start, but what he did on Wednesday against the Brewers was awful. He walked five guys in four innings, had no command. He was very, very mediocre. And for now, that's who David Peterson is. He's up and down. He deserves this opportunity, and he should continue to get it for at least the next handful of starts. But you cannot rely on David Peterson. Tyler Miguel loved what he did in his first start of the year. Obviously, we can't trust him. He had a good April last year. He was terrible after that and couldn't stay healthy. So Tyler McGill can't trust him, deserves the opportunity, can't trust him. Carlos Carrasco. My levels of concern with Carrasco goes to this velocity being down. And he could say he's healthy. And I want to hear these excuses about the pitch clock. Ah, you know what? It takes a lot of energy to throw all those pitches. Dude. There are ways around this. There are ways to give yourself a break when you need it. You're given five mound visits throughout a baseball game. Maybe we should use them. Maybe if Carlos Carrasco is in so much trouble because he's huffing and puffing, maybe you call timeout and you kill some time. But Carlos Carrasco's got to adjust. Where are my levels of concern with him? It's only one start. They're, they're somewhere. I mean, he is what he is. Cookie last year, we, we either got, I used to say this, we either get really good cookie or we get really crappy cookie. We got real crap cook in game number one from him. And then we got the $45 million man. I did some research. I went on baseball savant. And I wanted to check out the spin rates, the velocities. Is there anything to be concerned about from Max Scherzer in regards to that? The answer is no. His spin rate, not down considerably with his four-seamer or his slider. It's not. It's higher than his average last year. His velocity is pretty much the same. So what is it? Maybe it's as simple as what Max said. I got to be better. Okay. I'll give him that. He's going to make his third start at the scene of the crime against the team that baptized him, the San Diego Padres. Okay? So when you walk out on that mound, Max, after two very mediocre starts, one was just mediocre, the other one you sucked, Go out and beat the Padres. Go out and remind us who you are. Justin Verlander, we got a great report on him. Great. The inflammation's down. When's he going to pitch? None of us know. Jose Quintana's not walking through that door. And they've also reached the limit of their pitching depth. You don't want to go any deeper than they've already gone. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazon's 
of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. I don't want to see Joey Lucchese. I don't want to see Elisar Hernandez, who's already on the injured list. I don't, I don't want to see Jose Mudo. I don't want to see any of those guys. McGill and Peterson, I'm fine with. So I think, Pete, tell me if I'm wrong here, through seven games, if you're ranking the levels of concern, I think my biggest concern is with this rotation. Uh, no, you're right. I, I see. I'm not opposed to Lucchese, but I understand why you're hesitant on him. But I think that would help the solution. If we go to that six-man rotation, maybe we could try to push guys a little further in the games. But if they're struggling so much, they'll never get there anyway. Peterson barely can get to the fifth inning. So there, there is that issue. But the, the starting pitching is by far the biggest. And for any hater, any Met fan listening to this podcast right now that sits there and says, oh, you know, we need so much more power. The fact that they brought back all these, you know, contact hitters. That's a great thing. The fact that you have so many veterans that professional hitters, you, like you said, you talked about the strikeouts before. I prefer people that could put bat on ball, which will then, if you do get people in scoring position, because eventually games that we won last year were because guys are on base and we put bat on ball and we were able to be victorious on a game like we lost today. Yeah. Yeah. I, they do, they do need more pop. I think that was their biggest offensive issue last year. I just don't think this offense is crumbling necessarily. The pitching could crumble. You know, it, it really could, especially with health. They need Justin Verlander healthy. They do. And, you know, I'm glad the inflammation's down, but when's he going to pitch? You know, when's he going to go out there and pitch every five days? Because you need, in the midst of McGill and Peterson and bad cookie, and I haven't mentioned Kodai Senga. And the reason I haven't mentioned Kodai Senga is because he was great in his one start. We have no idea about Kodai Senga. We don't. So I, I can't tell you I have immense confidence in him. It also wouldn't be fair to say he sucks. Like He had one really good start that showed a lot from him. Had such a shaky first inning. Fought through it. The ghost fork was dominant. Senga's kind of that guy you put to the side. Because we really have, we don't have enough data on him. You know, let's see what he does Saturday against the Marlins. I hope he dominates. I'm excited to see him pitch. There was a part of me after the rainout that said, hey, you could pitch Senga at the home opener on his normal rest. But obviously, they're not going to do that. They want to give him the extra day, which is fine. And you're not skipping Tyler and McGill. So it was just a thought that popped in my head real quick. But right now, through seven games, small sample size, it is scary thinking about the pitching staff it's scary thinking about boy if scherzer sucks and verlander doesn't pitch it's like what could i could i throw something out there and this is going to be a tough pill to swallow i don't know what he's doing over there in japan but if things start to crumble and there's no trade inside right now do you try to make a call for trevor bauer <laughs> no. I, i'm not even joking you're laughing about it but no. if you the guy, if he's pitching well in Japan, dude, have, did you see the last three years when he was in? in no, he was tremendous. I mean, I'm not ripping his pitching. I'm ripping the first of all. I think that when you sign a contract in Japan, he's he's pitching in Japan for the year. There's no 
out clause necessarily. So I think that that's something you reevaluate at the end of the year. I don't think that's something you can necessarily do in the middle of the season. It's just such a, it's a horrible PR move. And I don't know how you stand there at a press conference and answer questions if you're Billy Epler, but it's not even worth discussing because I don't think that's an option. I think when you sign a contract, it's not like you can, can they get Masahiro Tanaka too while we're at it? I mean, no, he's under contract. It doesn't work that way. By the way, make that phone call. <laughs> Steve Steve Cohen would buy Japan. He'd yeah. be like, listen, I got a ton of money. Just, just uh, whatever you want. How much is he worth? Six million? I'll give you 12. <laughs> uh, well, one thing to keep an eye on, Bucks denied it, is that we're staring at a third base platoon. That much like in August, July, when Escobar was struggling, and we got a Guillerme Escobar platoon until there were injuries. Uh, Guillerme got hurt, if memory serves correct. If you look back, and I got my scorecard, I'll show it to you. Wednesday's game against the Brewers, against a righty, Luis Guillerme is in the lineup. Okay? Night before against the lefty, Eduardo Escobar is in the lineup. Day before that, I didn't score that game. <laughs> Who pitched that game? I forgot. The Monday game, the game they got their ass kicked in. Oh, that was Freddie Peralta. Luis Guillerme started. That's right. All right. Let's go back to Sunday's game against the Marlins. They're facing a lefty, Trevor Rogers. Eduardo Escobar starts. So we now have a track record of going all the way back to Saturday, the third game of the season. We have seen a straight platoon between Escobar and Luis Guillerme. When Buck was asked about it, he said that's not what's happening. And Escobar needed the off day. He's working on things. All I'm telling you is just follow the facts. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. That's four consecutive games. We've seen a straight platoon between Luis Guillerme and Eduardo Escobar. The easy answer, most people listening are going to say, Beatty, 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 Beatty. We got to see about Beatty. Now, luckily, the news on his um, thumb was good. It's just inflammation, but I don't think he's going from inflammation to the Mets starting lineup. Hopefully he'll be back in the lineup in Syracuse real quick until they call up Beatty. I don't hate the platoon because Guillerme is so good defensively. You even go back to this game on Wednesday and it's a forgotten about play, but the first batter of the game, Mike Brousseau hits a line drive and Guillerme makes this incredible dive and catch that I'm not sure Escobar's making. So while you lose the offensive potential, that's the way I'd phrase it, because Escobar hasn't hit, obviously. While you lose the offensive potential with Guillerme from Escobar, and you certainly lose the pop, and we've talked about how they need pop. Guillerme does not have pop. I love the guy, and he can hit, but he don't have a lot of pop. So lineup-wise, they're obviously better off with Escobar in a world in which Escobar is hitting. But Guillerme's defense is tremendous. That that's the thing where I don't mind it, but the reality is this. I believe Buck Showalter makes his own lineups. I don't think that the front office at all is making the lineup. Okay. If the manager four games into the season, Billy is running a straight platoon at third base. What does that tell you about what he thinks about Eduardo Escobar? Pete Buck sending a message to Billy Epler. And that message is, yeah, I'm going to play the guys that you give me. 
Luis Guillerme gives me a better chance against right-handed pitching because Escobar is such trash. If this platoon is a thing, that's another reason Brett Beatty should be up here quick. And now we're getting to a point where it's like we're talking about Alvarez might make get the call. We're talking about Beatty trying to get up here. You're you're gonna have to cut ties with with a lot of guys. Like who are we? Who are you creating space for? Like who's who else is gone off this roster? Yeah, it's 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 not easy. That's the the real complicated part. Like we talked about, how you make that work. I, I floated out the idea as much as I love Luis Guillerme that he actually has options left. He goes to AAA, but then who the hell is your backup shortstop? Which is not ideal. I I, I would not. I want to make this clear because I know that one answer would be DFA Eduardo Escobar. I would not do that. I I saw too much from him in September. I think he still brings a value to this team that I, I, I'm i not even close to considering that. And that's not even in my stratosphere. But if the manager is running a straight platoon at third base between Luiski Orme in a lineup that needs pop, like think about that. And I love Luis. I'm not trying to knock him here. He's great defensively. But in a lineup that needs pop, if you're running a straight platoon, that is a... That's a message to Billy Appler. That's, hey, hey, uh, Beatty. Can we get uh, Beatty down here, please? Beatty, Beatty. Uh, the white flag is out at third base. It's like, hello, we need somebody to rescue us. I mean, that's a, that's a quick declaration if you're already doing that. And it looks like with Miami, because they haven't announced their rotation for the weekend, but they're definitely facing, they're definitely facing Trevor Rogers again. So they're clearly going to face one lefty. So we'll see if Buck keeps this up. I, I would predict on Friday for opening day against Edward Cabrera, I think he's starting the game. I think he'll start Escobar. So I think he'll break the platoon on Friday. But if he doesn't start hitting, I, I think he goes back to the platoon on Sunday, depending on who pitches for Miami. Could be Alcantara. I mean, I think that's his day, pitch Tuesday. Oh. So it very well we, could be Sandy Alcantara on Sunday. 